This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. The lies about J6, about January 6th, that are still coming out, they're hurting this country. And I think people need to come to that realization. We need to come together. And I say that while Biden is the president of this country and while the Democrats and the left wing have control of the agenda of this country, we need to come together. And I'm hoping that as things change and hopefully that the Republicans take back Congress, I'm going to feel the same way. We want to be a United States of America. There are things we're always going to disagree about. Look, there are things that Democrats and Democrats disagree with each other about. There are things that Republicans and Republicans disagree with each other about. It's always going to be that case. But we need to find those things that unite us, that bring this great country together. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio I'm New York Mike This is Roll Right Radio And I am New York Mike So uh, let's get right to it Today, President Biden went to Brussels he went to Brussels to meet with the G7 and all the NATO nations to talk about everything that's going on in the Ukraine. And they've all been meeting and talking about it. And again today in this press conference, I think it was after his meeting and before some other meeting because he claimed he had to leave. It's, it's so confusing. First, he had the meeting set for 3 o'clock. Then he moved it up from 3 o'clock to 1.30. And then he had to cut it short because he had to go to another meeting. But then there were a couple of things that he said in that press conference. And they said, by the way, there were, I think, 21 reporters that went to Brussels. I believe there were 21 from the United States. I'm not sure. But he answered about four, maybe five questions. And I know that at least one of them was from the foreign press. And I'm going to talk about that question in a minute. So they asked him about the sanctions. I think one of the questions was concerning the sanctions. Were they too late? Should there have been more? Was there bigger? And his answer was, the sanctions were never meant to be a deterrent. Now, I don't know about you. I pay attention when the president of the United States speaks. Now, Maybe I shouldn't pay so much attention. Maybe I shouldn't give it so much credibility. It is the president of the United States. And I don't care what I think of Biden and how much I disagree with his policies and everything. I still expect the truth, the absolute truth from the president of the United States. Now, clearly, the vice president has made recent statements that these sanctions and everything else we're doing is meant to be deterrence. Today, he clearly said they were never meant to be deterrence. And I got to tell you, I guess the reason why 
they weren't meant to be deterrences because they were a day late and a dollar short. They were more than a day late. They were months and months late. Those sanctions should have been put on to be a deterrent. Now, what's the difference between putting on sanctions to be a deterrent before the invasion started? And if he's putting them in now, it's obviously to deter Putin from any further acts of inhumanity, of war crimes that he's... They're trying to deter him. They're trying to bring him to a, a table. There's got to be something. Does he expect that these sanctions are there to help defeat Putin? He hasn't said it. He hasn't made any statement in support of the Ukraine defeating Russia in this war. None. And that's been a point of contention from a lot of people. Now, I haven't heard Zelensky say it directly, but if you hear Zelensky or anybody else from the Ukraine, they talk about winning this war, winning, beating the Russians. So we're an ally of the Ukraine. What is our role here? If it's just supportive, which it sort of seems to be, but in a big way, it's more than just support. But if we're being supportive, we need to support their attitude. We need to support what gives them this incredible presence and ability to stand up to this big, bad Russian bear. And they're doing it. And we're just, like I said, a day late and a dollar short, doing some good things right now. Yes, but we should have total sanctions. We should be totally imposing banking, excluding Russia from all of the SWIFT banking networks worldwide. That's what we should be doing. That's what our allies in NATO should be doing. That would help. That would help deter him from any further acts of aggression, if that's what it's going to be. It's so clear that we're trying to deter him from further aggression. Now. The Ukrainians are trying to win the war. That's their attitude. That's their mindset. And that's what's propelling them, motivating them to do what they're doing. And I think we should be doing everything we can, both physically by sending them all the support that we're sending them, the weapons that we're sending them, and also the moral support by echoing what they say. But what else is going to make Putin understand that we're here, the total support of the Ukrainian nation in their effort to defeat Russia. Okay, that's my venting of hearing that and listening to Biden once more make this ridiculous statement. And he's going to have to get together with his vice president. He's going to have to get together with Kamala Harris and work something out. If Trump and Pence had been so separate, I mean, anybody... Name the, the president, his team, his administration. They need to be on the same page. I don't think that I ever remember have we seen a president and his whole team, not just his vice president. She's guilty of this more than anybody else, going off in their own space and left field. But they're all saying different things than he says. Even Jen Psaki says something different from what he said from time to time. And then she explains it. But, you know, I got to tell you, the other lie that he told today, and I think this is a much 
more important issue than we've given it credit for. And when I heard it today, when some foreign correspondent asked him the question about, will he run in 2024? I don't remember what paper or, or whatever this journalist represented, but he said the world doesn't want to have the last president. I don't remember if he named Trump by name or just said the last president. The world doesn't want him back again. If that was said to Reagan about Jimmy Carter, if that was said to any president about a prior president in a foreign country, even if he said it in the White House, but in a foreign country, if that said, he should not have been campaigning, which is what it's tantamount to being. Trump you know, was impeached for saying something to Zelensky about Biden. And Biden had been the former vice president. And so, yeah, is it a technicality? If a guy is an announced candidate, maybe it is, maybe it's not. He shouldn't have been campaigning. And even if he asked the question about 2024, even if he was at the White House, he should have exercised more restraint at the very least and maintained the dignity of the office of the presidency by deferring to answer not only a speculative question, which it was, but one from a foreign press that denigrated a former United States president. It's just unacceptable. Instead, we jumped on the question to once again denigrate Trump, saying that what inspired him to run was what was said in Charlottesville in 2017. Now, instead of being a dignified president and just pushing it aside, I mean, it stood on its own. And if it did any damage, then so be it. I get it. There are people in the foreign press, certainly in, in our domestic press, that really don't like Trump. And it, no matter where we go in the world, we go into a war zone, you go to Brussels, you go to G7, you go whatever. Trump, it's always Trump. Does that man has he made an imprint on the whole world? Instead of answering the question in the way I think he should have and just push it on the side, he actually accused Trump of being a racist and a bigot by continuing to distort Trump's statement at Charlottesville, taking it out of context and cherry-picking whichever of Trump's words he wanted to use and just excluding the words that Trump actually used. And I'm going to quote what Trump said about Charlottesville, about that University of Virginia rally in a minute, really. But first, I want to explain why the lie about what Trump said was and is doing tremendous damage to our country. It's so damaging. First, this was August 12th, 2017, early in the Trump presidency. The reporter kept pressing Trump, blaming the riot and the murder of a young woman, Heather Heyer, 32-year-old woman. And obviously, it's horrible, blaming it on Nazis and pushing Trump to call it terrorism. So, you know, Trump said, wait a minute, the press conference, the rally with this, I don't remember if this happened at the rally 
which was on August 12th or the day after. But the press conference was on August 15th. And then Trump said, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I want to make sure I know what I'm saying before I call it terrorism. It's murder. And he definitely condemned this Alex Field, the driver, a 21-year-old kid from Ohio who drove all the way to Virginia for this rally. Obviously, this guy was a sick, demented, criminal-minded piece of garbage. And Trump called him out. He called him whatever, a murderer. But he didn't have enough information to say that he was a terrorist. The reporter just phrased his, call it question slash statement, to imply that one side was a white supremacist Nazi terrorist group and the other side was the best of America with pure and good intentions to tear down statues that should be torn down. Now, Trump immediately condemned the killer and mentioned the victim, talked about her, Heather Heyer, 32-year-old. Her mother made a statement. Trump echoed what the mother had said, some very complimentary things about her, and again, condemning the murderer, but said not enough was yet known to call him a terrorist, which, by the way, unlike Biden, who just jumped right out there immediately and condemned Kyle Rittenhouse, immediately called him a terrorist, called him a racist. It, it, it's all wrong. And then we saw the trial. All the evidence was laid out on both sides, and Kyle Rittenhouse was cleared of any wrongdoing. So was Trump right? Of course he was right to wait. And it's not like he didn't condemn what happened. The reporter again stated that it was appropriate to tear down the statue of Robert E. Lee. He, he, it was a question, but, you know, it was like, well, don't you agree kind of a question? And Trump answered by asking, you know, and saying that, you will, if you would do that, then the next thing would be, what are you going to do when they take down statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, both slave owners? When the reporter was asked, about Thomas Jefferson, the reporter commented that he loved Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was the founder of the University of Virginia. Trump reminded him that the rally to keep the statue was being held by peaceful people who had a permit for the rally. They didn't invite KKK members, Nazi. This wasn't the rally that they had. This was a rally to stop the removal of that statue of Robert E. Lee, a hero of the South. Look, you may agree or disagree, but even if you think that, oh my God, you got to take down the statue, there's another side. I know that we have a cancel culture. You can't cancel everybody. You can't cancel other people's opinions and feelings. This is the United States of America. We have a constitution. We're founded on the concept of free speech and the right to your own ideas, to worship the way you choose, to believe in the things you believe in, not to harm and destroy people and things. That's wrong. And so they planned and got a permit for a peaceful rally. The other side, they didn't. The other side brought what we used as weapons, baseball bats, 
clubs. They instigated the violence. And yes, there were white supremacists and neo-Nazis there who should be condemned. And Trump condemned them in the harshest terms. But there were also, as Trump said, very fine people on both sides. This is an issue. The people that had the permit had a permit to have a rally to not remove the statue of Robert E. Lee. That's all. And that's what they were there for, to rally and express their feelings, their opinions. What is wrong with that in America? Whether you agree with them or you disagree with them. But here's the other side. And you know what? If people who support their position are, you know, horrible people, if they're neo-Nazis and they show up, they have a right to. When we supported the neo-Nazis marching in Skokie, Illinois, at the time, and if I remember right, in the 80s, the home of so many Holocaust survivors, it was hard. It was hard to, to look at that and say that the neo-Nazis, I don't know, neo-Nazis, KKK, that they had gotten permits or applied for permits for peaceful demonstration, marching through Skogi. And the right decision was they have a right to do that. Nobody has the right to exercise violence, not against people and not against statues. If the city council was going to maintain this position that the statue had to go, it would have been taken down in a dignified way maybe brought to a museum or some other place. I don't think they would have had it destroyed. However, it was an issue. It was an issue that there were two sides to. And why is it that the left keeps on just denigrating? And I'm going to use that word a lot today. They keep on denigrating the side they don't agree with. It's like, Okay, the only opinion that you can have that's a righteous opinion is your opinion. I'm sorry, did I say righteous? <laughs> it's not right. Leftious. I'm sorry. What happened? What happened to the America that I fought for, where everybody's opinion was valued? And, you know, if you negotiate, you go to court, you go to the city council, whatever you do, you do it. You do it in a civil way. And if you get your position supported and the things you want done, whether it's keeping the statue or taking it down, both sides have to respect each other. You may not like it, but we fought to save the cross on Mount Soledad. There were many people on the other side. When I talked to Paulson, you know, who's named the lawsuit to take down the cross, it was in his name, a combat vet from Vietnam. I know he was upset. I was upset. But we were respectful of each other. I don't know what happened to that left wing. I don't know what happened. That was only 89 throughout the 90s. And it was so contentious, everything about it. And believe me, I understand and understood then the emotions, the passion of the people on the other side, the ACLU and Philip Paulson, the people that wanted this down. I didn't look at them as an enemy. They were our adversaries, and we were hell-bent on beating them 
and keeping that cross on Mount Soledad, keeping that war memorial as is and where is. And we fought hard. But at the end of the day, we won. But a statue of Robert E. Lee? I don't know. And by the way, through this whole thing where the Democrats totally distorted and lied about the words of President Trump at the time, took everything out of context. It was just the Democrat Party, Hollywood, all the other celebrities, the, the mainstream media. What did the Republicans do? I don't remember them doing anything. I, I just don't remember them standing up. All they had to do was read the transcripts of what Trump said. And look, I understand Trump's team, even Trump's team seemed to have decided not to go on the defensive. I get it. Okay. I think it was a big mistake. Don't get me wrong. I think they should have. And I think their defense should have been a really strong and major offense because taking a president's words out of context and lying about it like they did and still do to this very day in Brussels, the president of the United States again today distorting, lying about Trump's words, a strong offense. I want to see the Republicans today you know, condemn what Biden said today because it's important. You had to control the damage to the country that we suffered through because of this damnable lie. And we still do. And now been repeated by our current president of a major press conference in a foreign country. Why is it so important? The lie about what Trump said was exceeded only by the lies that founded Russiagate, both of which, by the way, in my opinion, take Russiagate, take Charlottesville, and they both served to hobble Trump's presidency and led to the rigged election of Biden, because that's a part of it. Russiagate was a part of this rigged election, a lie, a total lie. And now hopefully we're going to see some heads roll. Let's hope it happens. But it led to the rigged election of Biden. And given the amazing success of Trump's policies, his incredible grace under this horrible circumstances, imagine what he would have been able to accomplish if his critics would have pursued their goals with honesty, not lying, not lying to the American people and the world in ways that Trump had to overcome while bringing us, by the way, the great economy, Best situation in generations of our southern border, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Did we solve the southern border issue? No. But boy, it's the best situation we've had at that border that I can remember. He brought us peace in the Middle East and so much more. Instead, the left used this as the foundation to foster hatred and resentment by blacks and otherwise well-intended liberals in the left's ongoing agenda to use race, the, what's we call it, the LGBTQ, what is that, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. When I think about that, the fact that they use this racial thing, the fact that they use this LGBTQ, and yeah, I had to write that out and put down what it stands for, because I want to get it right. 
Because I don't think Trump ever did anything that should have offended this LGBTQ community, ever. What did he do that so offends them? I don't even know his standard on gender marriage or whatever they call it. I don't know his stance on transgenders. I don't think he ever said anything bad about it, except it shouldn't be in the military, because in the military, you got to pay for all their surgeries. It, it just seems to me that having been in the military, do I want the person next to me always going through this whole, I don't know, what's this swimmer Leah Thompson supposedly doing, taking all these hormones and everything to reduce her strength and abilities? I don't get it. Why should we be? I, I think it's a legitimate argument. You know, if somebody wants to change their sexual orientation or if there's a transgender thing, I don't think anybody wants to hold it against them. It's what they want to do. But does that give them carte blanche to teach it in the schools to do? And I don't know where Trump drew the line. I don't even remember his political positions on these issues. But I know I never heard him say anything negative. He's the commander in chief. And I think he said an opinion. Oh, you're going to hate him for it? But that's what they did. They used everything he did, you know, to instigate blacks, the gay community, all these marginalized groups to divide America by painting, by the way, not only Trump, but his supporters as being the deplorable racists that we were and are labeled as. That's right. And they're still doing it. This has been continued by the administration as he and VP Harris call this a, a racist nation. And that's what they did. They continue to do that. And now we have a candidate for the Supreme Court of the United States obscuring her answers regarding CRT, okay, her lenient treatment of pedophiles, and even refusing to describe her definition of a woman. Yeah. She deferred her answer by saying, She's not a biologist. Why not just answer directly with the true feelings and beliefs? Say it. Why does the left keep making disparaging comments and accusing the Republicans of berating this judge? Compare how the Republicans are treating Judge Jackson with how the Democrats treated Kavanaugh or Amy Coney Barrett, and especially how they treated Clarence Thomas with contempt and even have continued to disparage him throughout his brilliant career on the bench and their nasty comments today, hoping his current illness, I think he's still in the hospital, hoping his current illness leads to his resignation. If a Republican said that about a Democrat, I think he'd be, or she'd be, soundly. Just, I, I wouldn't say chased out of the party. But I think all of us would say that's just inappropriate. It's just wrong. But the Democrats seem to like, oh, yeah, let's hope that he uses this to get out of me. Why do you say these kind of things about a justice of the Supreme Court? Like you may not agree with his rulings. You may not like his opinions. 
but for crying out loud, he's had an exemplary tenure on the bench. Why can't you respect me as a fellow American and respect that I respect Clarence Thomas, even if you don't like him? Respect the fact. And by the way, a black man, you know, you, you claim to be the champion of the downtrodden or whatever. Not that any black person's downtrodden because they're black. Not that black people have to have special conditions because they're less or incapable. I think that's what the Democrats do, and they get away with it. But nasty comments like this, it's just wrong. And the Republicans have been truly respectful of Judge Jackson, saying very complimentary. I mean, I watched the proceedings, very complimentary things about her opening statement of family, her accomplishments. They strongly disagree with the judicial opinions, both, by the way, seen and unseen. And they are clearly not impressed with how she's answering many questions. But they're all honest. They're straightforward, respectful. What in the world is wrong with that? Why does the left have such a problem with the truth? Why can't they be honest about their agenda, their goals? Why can't Judge Jackson say she agrees with CRT? She's allowed. I don't like it. To me, that's abhorrent. That's horrible. But she does. So we're going to agree to disagree. It's clear that she does. If she won't define a woman because it could interfere with a potential ruling on transgender issues, okay? Say it. But she says she's not a biologist. That's why she can't comment. She can't. Define a woman. She's not a biologist. Does she have a clue that what she just did was confirmed that gender is biological? <laughs> Let's see how that affects some of her opinions. The, the distortions and lies about Trump's statements on, on Charleville, it works to divide us at a time we need to be united more than ever. The truth, it, the thing that should unite us as a nation. There's more that unites us as a nation. Be honest. There's more that unites us than divides us. If we just agree to disagree without being disagreeable, without weaponizing issues, the lies about J6 come to mind. Think about it. Think about January 6th. Think about how they continue to call it an insurrection. And, and I think I heard some of that even today. And he's talking about how they would feel in Europe if a bunch of people went into the houses of state of Europe and went in to destroy it and take it down and do it. You know, obviously, without mentioning J6, that's what he's talking about. The lies and distortions. There are so many people imprisoned in the dungeons right now without being accused. And things like trespassing? Really? How do you go from an insurrection trying to take over the country? Oh, the scariest thing that's happened to America. Oh, they're coming to destroy the country. Civil war and all that. And then they're getting put in jail or fined or whatever for trespassing. And for that, they've been in jail. Some people have to sell 
all their worldly possessions. They went broke. They went bankrupt fighting these issues. This isn't America. This isn't where it was supposed to be. Yes, there are people that destroyed property and the destruction of property. We get it. Breaking, entering, even trespassing, if you want to call it that. I get it. But let's get it over with. Let's reel it back and say what it is. It was a protest that those people got carried away. It certainly wasn't a planned conspiracy to take over America. It was people like me who did not agree that that election was an honest election. We believe it was fixed. We believe it was stolen. And I still do. I do not believe that Joe Biden got, what do they say, 81? I can't even say it. Joe Biden got 81 million votes. We don't believe it. Well, I wouldn't go into the Capitol. I wouldn't destroy anything. I wouldn't do anything like that. And I didn't. I was there and I didn't. My friends were there and they didn't because it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. We went to the park. We were there in the morning and most of the day until Trump's speech, which I did not think was a very good speech, by the way. And then we left and went on to Independence Avenue, saw a lot of people coming back from the Capitol, talked to a lot of them. I interviewed them for Roll Right Radio, went to Shelley's. We did what we did, but we were definitely there to protest this election. We knew that the Republicans were going to go into the Capitol and try to, however they would do it, have a redo. We don't know. Most of us don't have that much of a finite understanding of all the details of how this works. The lies about J6, about January 6th, that are still coming out, they're hurting this country. And I think people need to come to that realization. We need to come together. And I say that while Biden is the president of this country and while the Democrats and the left wing have control of the agenda of this country, we need to come together. And I'm hoping that as things change and hopefully that the Republicans take back Congress, I'm going to feel the same way. We want to be a United States of America. There are things we're always going to disagree about. Look, there are things that Democrats and Democrats disagree with each other about. There are things that Republicans and Republicans disagree with each other about. It's always going to be that case. But we need to find those things that unite us, that bring this great country together. You know, you talk about BLM. Well, the BLM as it stands today, the Marxist organization that is BLM, Black Lives Matter, I'm not going to support that in any way, shape, or form. Anti-police, calling everything and everybody a bigot if they don't agree 100% with their agenda, all the other things that they stand for and believe in, wrapping bacon, fry them like whatever. Come on, pig in a blanket, fry them like bacon. What is that? You know, I mean, that's even beyond defund the police. Why would you say that? Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives 
matter. Can't we agree that all lives matter? Black lives, brown lives. This is America. Let's understand that the first time, you know, I heard someone say Black Lives Matter, I said, yeah, of course they do. And I thought they were referring to the crisis that's going on in places like Chicago, the crisis in the inner cities of America, places like Baltimore, where black lives, they're being ruined by an educational system that doesn't prepare people to be successful adults in this world. I mean, reading, writing, arithmetic, honest history. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about slavery. We're gonna talk about the Civil War. We're gonna talk about you know, all the things that went on. We're gonna talk about it. And by the way, at this stage of the game, you know, I don't know how many of us who lived through those years, the 50s and 60s, in the South, we're still here to bear witness. These things need to be talked about and understood and condemned, but we also need to appreciate that we've come so far, that we've put that behind us as a society. Are there individuals that still cling to that past? Of course there are, yes. That's not America. You know, there are groups in America, black groups, white groups, all kinds of groups, the Farrakhans who hate Jews and hate white people. That's what I see. You think I'm wrong? Yeah, well, tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think I have a lot of experience with that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I think that it's all there. That doesn't represent the black experience. My friends, the people I grew up with, my friends over the years, my friends today who are black, I have had some words, yes, about that with some very close friends who I strongly disagree with. And we've certainly been less than close over the last year and a half or so. Yeah, we disagree. But I'll tell you what, if anything happened to that guy, I'd be the first one there to help him. I mean, we've talked. We still love each other from a, a little bit more of a distance than we used to be. But yeah, maybe we'll come around. I don't know. Maybe he'll convince me or maybe I'll convince him. I don't know. I'd hope that we both have time left in our lives that we can come together and talk these things over and come to a better understanding. All those groups. I'm not saying that's the majority of black people in America. There's a lot more than I'd like to see. And certainly if I saw white people standing up as supporters of the KKK or the white supremacists, whatever you want to call them. I don't even understand what some of these people are thinking. But I will tell you one thing. For the most part, they hate Jews a lot more than they hate blacks. And that's my experience. Let's find the common ground. Let's find where we are together as Americans. If we find ourselves in a foxhole fighting for this country, look what's going on in the Ukraine. I look at this Ukraine as one nation. One country. I don't see the difference. Yeah, there's the area that's the Russian-speaking ones, and yeah, there's that difference. But when you talk about 44 million Ukrainians, I know that there were like, what, 12 different political parties in the Ukraine? So there's all these differences. But right now, while they have this common enemy, they're all together. 
I don't think when they're taking on Russian tanks that they look at the Ukrainian standing next to them and say, oh, what's your political views? You know, Ukraine is guilty of a lot over the years. And I keep on saying I'm going to do more research and find out more about their past. I keep hearing things trickle down about how they treated the Armenians when the Armenians were going through their hell trying to come into Ukraine. But I don't know the details. Any more than Trump understood on the 15th exactly what had happened on the 12th. To make blanket statements, and maybe I just made one and shouldn't have. I'm just giving you little bits and pieces of some of the things I heard, not the details. So the President of the United States being asked if that murder of Heather Heyer was terrorism, and he declined to answer. I know that this James Alex Field was found guilty, and the sentence could have been anywhere from 20 years to life. Hopefully he got life, but I don't know. And so without knowing the details and the facts, it's not something that a person should be being talked about in ways that sound like you know what you're talking about. So I don't want to say those things about Ukraine, but I, I do want to say that when I look at that country today, taking on Russia, and I look at all those people, I don't think that they focus on what they disagree about. They focus on, the, on winning a war together. And the United States of America would be well advised, every one of us, to look at each other and understand that we have a war to fight, a war for truth, justice, and the American way. And the best way to fight that is not as the divided country. And I will say, the divided country that Biden has helped to divide and shouldn't be. We need to bring this great country together. Let the truth be our guide and the Constitution our rule book. I haven't talked about Trump's statement, but I will tell you, and I will, okay? When he was asked questions about, by the way, the reporter was pushing him with questions about different senators and especially about McCain. Trump's answers were things like, quoting Trump, okay, what about the alt-left that came charging and, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? Let me ask you this. What about the fact that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? Do they? I think they do. As far as I'm concerned, that was a horrible, horrible day. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. And I'm not finished. Fake news. I watch those very closely. Much more closely than you people watch it and have. You have a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent, and nobody wants to say that. But I'll say it right now. You had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit, and they were very violent. And then the reporter says, do you think that what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? Those people, all those people, excuse me, I've condemned neo-Nazis. I condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis. Believe me, not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest 
the taking down of a statue of Robert E. Lee. Should that statue be taken down, asked the reporter? Trump, if you take a look at some of the groups, you would know that if you were honest reporters, and then even a statement of groups, to protest the taking down of Robert E. Lee. So this week, it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson is coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? But they were there to protest. Excuse me. If you take a look, the night before, they were there to protest the taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee. Should the statue of Robert E. Lee stay up? I would say that's up to a local town community or the federal government, depending on where it's located. Reporter, how concerned are you about race relations in America, and do you think things have gotten worse or better since you took office? And Trump answers, I think they've gotten better. Look, they've been afraid for a long time. You can ask President Obama about that. He made speeches about it. But I believe that the fact that I brought in and will soon bring millions of jobs, you'll see where companies are moving back and I think it's going to have a tremendous positive effect on race relations. That was Trump's agenda to fix America, bring in jobs back from China, back from overseas countries, back from Mexico. And this is what he said. And I quote Trump again. We have companies coming back into our country. We have two car companies that just announced. We have Foxconn in Wisconsin just announced. We have many companies. I say, and so this is what he's talking about. And then... He's talking about we're spending a lot of money on inner cities. We're fixing the inner cities. We're doing far more than anybody has done. I mean, we're talking about race relations here. This is what Trump is saying. We have done far more than anybody's done with respect to the inner city. It's a priority for me, and it's very important. Mr. President, are you putting what you're calling the alt? This is answer. Trump's talking about inner cities, doing something for the black community, and this reporter keeps goading him. Mr. President, are you putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacist in the same moral plane? Trump, I'm not putting anybody in the moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious. It was horrible. It was a horrible thing to watch, but there's another side. There was a group on this side. You can call them the left, and you just called them the left. That came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. Both sides, sir. You said there was hatred, there was violence on both sides. Yes. I think there's blame on both sides. If you look at both sides, I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And if you reported it accurately, you would say so. Reporter, the neo-Nazis started this. They showed up in Charlottesville. Trump, excuse me, they didn't? put themselves. You had some very bad people in that group. And you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down to them a very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington, the reporter, and Robert E. Lee are not the same. George Washington, Trump says, was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his statues? Are we going to take down statues to George? How about Thomas Jefferson? 
What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Reporter, I do love Thomas Jefferson. Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue because he was a major slave owner? Now are we going to... So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group, you had some fine people, but you also had problem makers, troublemakers, and you see them come with the black outfits, with the helmets, and with the baseball bats. You had a lot of bad people in the other group. Oh, then the reporter goes, sorry, I don't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly. I don't understand. Trump? No, no. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you looked, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group, there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people. Neo-Nazis, white nationalists whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group who were there to innocently protest, very legally protest, because I don't know if you know, but they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. I think what took place was a horrible moment for our country. A horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. So. That's pretty much the way it went. And from what I just read and Trump's statement that he totally condemned the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists, totally, that was his words. But did the press say anything about that? Were there also fine people? Because the alt-left came with baseball bats and clubs and helmets. And they came totally prepared to start a riot. And so he said there were bad people on both sides. There were fine people on both sides. And the press and the Democrats and today Biden again distorted what Trump said and tried to say that he said the KKK, the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists are fine people. Now, we need to understand how that divides a country. We need to understand why it's so important to find, to defend, to hold up the truth. And I think the Republican Party, especially after today, should take a much more offensive stance against the distortion of what happened in Charlottesville on August 15th at that press conference of 2017. I really do because Biden just brought it right up to today. I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio. Thank you for being there. Thank you for subscribing. I know there are things I didn't get to today that I always want to talk about. I definitely want to talk more about, by the way, my friend Richie Ada's book, How to Rally, because I think it needs to get out there more. It's so inspirational. Look on Amazon. If you can find it, get it. How to Rally by Richard Ada. 
awesome book. I'm New York Mike, and I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio Podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.